Good morning, everybody. I was thinking today we would spend um, the morning uh, with the Desert Fathers, and maybe this afternoon as well. But since our theme is, I don't know what, I'm not sure about this afternoon. <laughs> we'll see if you stay awake for this one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Mary, once again, we place ourselves in your hands. We ask that you would intercede for us and continue to draw us ever deeper into the heart of your Son. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I usually begin with, yes, by doing whatever she tells me. Okay. So as you've noticed, I usually begin with scripture, but I'm actually going to begin with um, just one of the stories of the Desert Fathers. One day, Abba Daniel and Abba Amonis went on a journey together. Abba Amonis said, When shall we two settle down in a cell, Father? Abba Daniel replied, Who shall separate us from God? God is in the cell, and on the other hand, he is outside also. The first thing that the Desert Fathers want to teach us about the spiritual life is that there is no such thing as a spiritual life. That there's just life. In other words, our relationship with God cannot be confined it cannot be narrowed merely into activities or times in the day or in our week. Because relationship with God or the spiritual life is our life. Perhaps you have heard the story of the little fish. I think I've told some of you the story of the little fish. So one day there's a little fish. <laughs> and uh, he's swimming in the ocean. And all of a sudden he comes across a school of bigger fish. And he, the little fish says to this school of bigger fish, he says, guys, slow down for a second. Can I ask you a question? And one of the the head big fish says, of course, my son, what's, what's your question? <laughs> and the little fish says to him, everyone, every fish that I talk to is always talking about the ocean. Where is this ocean that everyone's talking about? And so all the big fish are sort of looking at each other and say, you tell them. No, you tell them. And so one of the big fish says to the little fish, my son, you're swimming in it. You're swimming in the ocean. 
Where is God? We're living in Him. St. Paul says it this way, in Him we live and move and have our being. If we were fish, St. Paul would say, in Him you swim and have your being. The problem is, we're just not aware of it. And we don't live our lives from this truth. And so we divide up our lives, both literally and mentally, into things like our work life, our prayer life, our study life, our social life. And obviously on one level, it's necessary to do. But there's a great danger that can occur when we begin to view our lives as these, as these separate spheres. And the danger is that God becomes just another thing, another aspect of my life, a fraction or a certain percentage of my life, instead of the aspect in which everything else revolves around. You know, in the story of the Desert Fathers, Abba Amoas asks a legitimate question. When are we going to settle down in a cell? After all, they weren't mendicants. They were monks who were oftentimes never left their cells. But Abba Daniel's answer to him reminds him that relationship with God, intimacy with God, is available now, right now. Not when circumstances or situations improve or change. Not when I get a new assignment or not when I make first vows or final vows. But that God is here right now. When I was um, a younger friar, I'm still young, um, I remember I had such a strong desire uh, for prayer and for intimacy with the Lord that I oftentimes saw, or at least viewed, the other aspects of our life as a distraction. Uh, I oftentimes would see fraternal life as like a good, but it was something that I had to get through so that I could get back to prayer where God really was. And because that was my mindset, I miss God for 80% of the day. I missed him in the people I was serving. I missed him in the brothers and the circumstances of my life. Because I thought that God really just was only in the chapel. You know, we all know Matthew 25 very well, right? In Matthew 25, Jesus is talking 
about the judgment of the nations. And Jesus is in disguise among those who are hungry, among those who are strangers, who are sick and in prison. You know what's so interesting about that parable is that none of these look like God. Who would imagine God as a prisoner or as somebody hungry, homeless? None of this looks or even sounds spiritual. And yet Jesus says, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. And of course, the opposite is true. Whenever you ignore them, whenever you don't see them, because you are so busy about your spiritual life, you didn't see me. You ignored me. It seems based upon that parable that at least a part of salvation is a matter of recognizing heaven on earth, God's presence in our world, which is nothing like we could ever imagine. What the desert fathers are concerned with, and what we should be concerned with, is not so much developing a spiritual life, but developing a whole life that is oriented towards God. That of course has times set apart for prayer and for meditation, but is not limited to those special times. For the simple reason that the majority of our day is not spent in spiritual activities. You know, we're blessed. We have about three or four hours a day of prayer. Well, what about the other 20 hours? Where is God when I'm stuck in traffic? when I'm listening to someone at the door, or when I'm confused, or feel lonely, or misunderstood. The answer, of course, is God is right there. Because wherever you are, He is. And we come back to this fact that we really spend little time in reality. We live more in our daydreams and in our plans and our ideas. And so oftentimes we miss God. 
And we say really silly things like, God has abandoned me. God has nailed himself to a cross so that he can't run away. So that he can't abandon us. And so it's never a matter of God's absence, but ours. It's another story from the Desert Fathers. They said that a certain old man asked God to let him see the fathers, and he saw them all except Abba Anthony. And so he asked his guide, where is Abba Anthony? He told him in reply that in the place where God is, there Anthony would be. I'm sure you know at least a little about the life of St. Anthony. But St. Anthony was first called to solitude. He wandered out into the desert by himself. But then people came out after him. And he became a spiritual father. Then he had to go into the towns to defend St. Athanasius. And then Anthony went back to solitude. Hence, wherever God was leading Anthony, he found God. In the place where God is, there Anthony would be. St. Anthony knew that God couldn't be restricted to his cave. And as he led him, he followed. And on one level, it seemed to even contradict his vocation. And so, what's the lesson here? The lesson, I believe, is that life, as it really is, is not an interruption of my relationship with God. In fact, our lives contains everything that's necessary for a life of intimacy with God. And this is difficult for us to accept. Even when I'm saying this, part of me is like, everything? Because we want to, and at least I often, blame things like life. Blame the traffic. Blame other community members. Our own poverty for what we perceive as, as obstacles to God. You know, it's, I think it's easy, especially today, 
to face a certain discouragement over the humanity of the church and even over the humanity of our own community. I hear this a lot, um, especially in spiritual direction. You know, sometimes we can, we can look around um, and wonder, you know, you chose these people to be in charge? You chose these people to lead me and to guide me? To which the Lord always says, yes, I did. And you can't see the grace that I'm giving them to lead you. It's almost as if the Lord says, do you really think those things, the humanity of others, our own humanity, do you really think they can get in the way of my love for you? Do you really think these things, whatever they are, are strong enough to stop me from loving you? The only thing that can stop me from loving you, the Lord says, is you. Because as St. Paul says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So at least from God's perspective, there is no interruption. There is no obstacle in our relationship with Him. However, life is an interruption of my own plans, of my own agenda, of my own ideas of what life and what relationship with God should look like. Yes, life interrupts that, which is nothing else but God's mercy. Because our image of life is simply oftentimes not reality. Our image of ourselves and one another is usually never the full truth. We see this reality all over the scriptures. Jesus appears to Peter when he's fishing. Jesus appears to Paul when he's in the midst of persecuting Christians. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene when she's weeping, when she's mourning outside the tomb. Jesus appears to Thomas in a time of doubt. Jesus appears to Matthew while he's at work. And one more, Nicodemus at night. None of these encounters with the Lord occur in, in the temple. 
None of these encounters occur with the Lord during prayer, or what is oftentimes referred to as our spiritual life. This is why I believe that the greatest sign of a maturing prayer life is not necessarily one's experience during prayer, but that is important. But the greatest sign of a maturing prayer life is a maturing life. A life that is becoming less self-centered, more loving, more forgiving, more gentle, more faith, more hope, and more love. If that is occurring, and it's usually gradually, then whatever you may think or whatever you may experience during prayer, you can be sure that you're growing, that you're moving deeper. Because God is not simply concerned with our experience. Obviously, he uses that. But he's concerned with our maturity, with our growing up. And so what is the conclusion here? What I love about the Desert Fathers is because I believe that their overall message is simply wake up. Wake up to the one life that we live. Wake up to a life where God is the center. Where each moment, each circumstance of our life contains his presence. Wake up to the fact that God is not over there or out there somewhere. That he's not in the past. That he's not in the future. That he's here right now with us. And what are always, from our perspective, less than perfect circumstances. In Psalm 95, the Lord says, Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. Today, Israel, you would hearken to his voice. What happens if we do this? You know, as strange as it might sound, but we catch fire. One of the favorite images of the Desert Fathers, one who is fully alive to God, is someone who is on fire. Abba Joseph once said to Abba Lot, you cannot be a monk unless you become like a consuming fire. 
When we are awake to God's presence, when we're living fully in it, everything we say and everything we do will catch fire. And we become like God, who as the letter to the Hebrews says, is a consuming fire. I think it's difficult for us to conceive of the fact that God wants our entire life to be lived with him. Sometimes we think, well, people need a break from us, so we'll take a break from them. And so maybe God needs the afternoon off or something like that. <laughs> but God doesn't want the afternoon off. He wants to share it with you and with I. And the more we realize that, and the more we live that, we'll never be able to say that God is distant from me, or that God has abandoned me. Because he'll simply be with us, wherever we are. Amen.